Welcome to the Near Church Podcast. This week's message starts now. Genesis chapter 18, verse 20. We're going to start a brand new series, a mini-series, for four weeks, including today, called In the Gap. Somebody say, In the Gap. We are going to do a big series in the fall, in September, called Church Hurt. It's going to be very powerful. God's been dealing with me about it for months. And I'm so expectant for the next season and the people that are going to come in this place that have experienced some type of church hurt and they're gonna be healed from it. Because how many of you know that hurt people hurt people? And so we're gonna get over that hurdle. And I believe that we're gonna see such a move of God as far as healing this fall. Not, Not just inside healing too, physical healing healing of marriages, healing of relationships. And I believe that God's gonna do so much, but God is gonna prepare our hearts for that series for the next four weeks. And so I wanna go to Genesis chapter 20, or chapter 18 today, verse 20. I got 13 verses. Just stick with me for, for the text. I got plenty for you today. So if you will, just tip the pro presenter person back there on your way out today. Not really, but... Uh, Verse 20, the Bible says this. So the Lord told Abraham, I've heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. And I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I've heard. If not, I want to know. The other men turned and headed towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Verse 23. And Abraham approached the Lord and said, will you sweep away both the righteous and the and the wicked suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city will you sweep it away and not spare it for the sake of the 50 surely somebody say surely surely you wouldn't do such a thing destroying the righteous along with the wicked why would you be treating the righteous and the wicked the same way should not the judge of all the earth do what is right this is him talking to the lord by the way and the lord replied if i find 50 people 50 righteous in Sodom, I'll spare the entire city for their sake. Verse 27, then Abraham spoke again. Somebody say again. Since I've begun, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I'm but dust and ashes. Verse 28, suppose, suppose there isn't 50, but there's only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? I love that from the lack of five. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Then Abraham pressed his request further. Suppose there's only 40. The Lord replied, yeah, I won't destroy it for the sake of 40. Please don't be angry, my Lord, Abraham pleaded. Let me speak. Somebody shout, let me speak. speak. Suppose only 30 are found. The Lord said, I won't destroy it if I find 30. It's getting a little repetitive, isn't it? Then Abraham said, since I've dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there's only 20, same thing, verse 20 or 32. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose there's only 10 found there. The Lord replied, 
then I will not destroy it for the sake of the ten. One more verse. And when the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. Part one of In the Gap, I want to start with this. Pray in the gap. Pray in the gap. Can I give you just one more verse? Can we just one more real quick? Ezekiel 22 and 30. This is the Lord speaking. I looked for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap, in the the wall, so I wouldn't have to destroy the land, but I found no one. I want to preach to you today. Pray in the gap. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, pray in the gap. Oh, come on. We got a full crowd today. You got to be louder than that. Somebody say, pray in the gap. Father, thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, amen. You may be seated on your way down. Tell somebody, pray in the gap. You better, girl, you better pray in the gap. I heard somebody say that. As we prepare for our fall series, Church Hurt, God has commissioned me to prepare our church for a new level of evangelism and service unto the Lord. Our vision is to see Bowling Green look like heaven, amen? We do this through our mission, which is to bring people near to God and each other. The tools we use for this are presence and community. This is how we see the will of heaven happen in our city. God in this season is preparing his church for what I believe is the greatest move of God that the earth has ever seen and that we have ever experienced. And at Near Church, we believe that God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh in a mighty abundance according to Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It wasn't just for the church in the book of Acts, but it's for us today as well. And we believe, I love that they sang this, they didn't know my notes. We believe that the best days are ahead and not behind us. Come on, they're right in front of us, the best days are. And because there's a world that is full of lost and dying people that need saving, you and I are vital and a necessary proponent here in the earth. Come on, somebody. We're necessary. Somebody say, I'm necessary. God wants to use me. He wants to use me to reach this broken world we're in. But if we're being honest, the American church has become all too comfortable in the middle of our religious freedoms. Now listen, I'm thankful for our freedoms this morning. But we have allowed our freedoms to cause the church to fall asleep at the wheel and become lethargic. And we have experienced what is called consumerism church. This is the heart of the pastor today. We've We've experienced consumerism church. It's all about what the church can do for me. Now, if you know me at all, I believe in providing an amazing experience. I I believe in in excellence. I believe that you should come here and you should enjoy it. But it's not all about your enjoyment. Come on, somebody. It's not all about what the church can do for you. I believe that the church should offer so much to the community. But once you're saved, it's no longer about you. Because now you're in the Lord's army. Y'all know that song? I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Yes, sir. I'm in, yeah, y'all know it. Does anybody know the moves? 
I may never march in the infantry. Right on the yeah, y'all got it. Good. Half of you got it. We'll teach the other half next week for part two, okay? <laughs> Consumerism church. Once I'm saved, it's no longer about me. I've been put and enlisted into the Lord's army. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And I want to tell you today, if you're taking notes, write this down. We are not a country club for the spiritual and religious elite, but we are a hospital for the broken, the dying, and the struggling. We are a battleground for the souls of men and women in the earth. And when you get saved, you are now enlisted into the battle of the purposes of God. And it's a battle for the city of Bowling Green. It's a battle for everywhere, but specifically for us in this season, it's the battle for Bowling Green. Come on. Because you see, the enemy has a grand plan for our city. Come on. He wants our city to be full of liberalism. I'm not talking about Democrats and Republicans. I'm coming after everybody today. Come on, somebody. But he wants our city to be consumed with wickedness. He wants our city to be consumed with evil. He wants our city to be overrun with all types of evil. Come on, somebody. He wants destruction. He wants to pollute the minds of every citizen of our city. And the enemy would love nothing else but for our city to promote the will of evil and the will of hell and experience the judgment of God that comes from a sinful city. Come on. But can I tell you today, even though the devil has a plan, God has one too. And his plan is for a move of God. And his plan is for revival. Come on, somebody. His plan is abundant life and life more abundantly. And I came to tell the church this morning that he's calling his church to come out of her comfort once again. It's time to be awakened and it's time to get up. No longer can we sleep like we have. Bowling Green needs us today. Come on. Only 12%, 12% of our county, Warren County, know Jesus. 12%. Let that sit in your heart today. The task ahead of us is grand, but God has given us the grace to see our city won for Jesus. And can I tell you today, you're so quiet, we will see it. I said, we will see it. We will see our sons and daughters saved. We will see the LGBTQ plus community come to the Lord. We will see a transformation of our school systems. We will see marriages restored. Where are you at today? We will see miracle signs and wonders. We will see our city. Come on. I have an announcement for everybody today. Are you ready? You're listening? Revival is on the way. Now give God some praise right there if you believe it. It's on the way. Somebody shout, it's on the way. way. But in the midst of this great move of God, if we're not careful, we will misunderstand that this doesn't mean things will be easy for his church. God is looking this morning for somebody who will get in the gap. Somebody shout, "In in the gap. He's looking for somebody who will get in the gap. And today our text shows a man who was called to stand in the gap for someone who had been compromised and was in a place that he shouldn't have been. Talking about Lot. The Lord shared his plans with Abraham to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, I'm not here to talk about Sodom and Gomorrah today, so rest easy. Come on, somebody. 
But the Lord had such a relationship with Abraham, and Abraham had turned his heart to the Lord so much that the Lord said, I'm going to share my plans with Abraham. Side note, I want a relationship like that. Where the Lord shares his plans for a city with me. Come on, somebody. And Abraham's response was not, well, them sinners are getting what they deserve. Come on, somebody. I've heard people say things like, well, them homosexuals just going to burn in the pit of hell. This is not the, pro- the appropriate response of the church or of Abraham. Abraham's response was instead a response of intercession. And he begins to plead with the Lord to have mercy on the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for the sake of the righteous. Now, what's interesting about this too is Lot was not righteous in this moment. He had willfully moved into a place that he knew he shouldn't have been. In this moment, righteousness was a position instead of his actions. Come on. And Abraham says, I've decided that I'm not gonna be okay with what the Lord has said but I'm going to pray in the gap. It's the text that we also read that the Lord said to Ezekiel that he was looking for someone to stand in the gap, but he found none. Standing in the gap is a representation of someone interceding to protect another. It it references the way that cities used to build their walls to protect its citizens. You see, they would build two walls. A thick wall outside the city was typically seven feet thick and they would build this wall in order to keep the enemy out of the city and then there was another wall that was about a foot thick that was to protect also the citizens but in between the walls was a gap somebody say a gap and this gap was filled with the watchmen of the city The troops. And what's interesting about this is just a little side note here that they built the wall a foot thick in between the watchman and the people in case the watchman wasn't doing his job and they could rip open the wall and rip him out, rip him out and put someone else in his place. We need watchmen. Come on, somebody. But these men would stand in the gap to protect the city in case the enemy breached the outer wall. And Abraham in our text today became the watchman and stood in the gap for his family and for Lot. And in this moment, are you with me this morning? He became burdened. Somebody say burden. I'm afraid for so many of us in the room today, we have lost the burden. It's why we don't serve. It's why we don't give. It's why we don't participate in outreaches. It's why we don't care about missions. It's why we don't attend church. It's why we don't invite people to come. It's why we don't tell people about Jesus. It's why we're not faithful because we've lost the burden. But the fact is that we are in a city that is dying and on its way to hell unless we point them to the solution, which is our king. And my prayer for us today is this, that God would stir up the burden inside of our hearts once more. 
more and that God would restore the burden for lost souls back in his church again. Come on, somebody, because when we get a burden, catch this today, you have no choice but to be bold. When you get a burden, you have no choice but to be bold. Let's go to verse 30 today, if they'll throw this up there. And you can see it throughout the text where Abraham has these moments where he's bold, but I love this one. He says, please don't be angry with me, Lord. Let me speak. Let me speak. This is the Lord he's talking to. Let me speak, Lord. Let me speak. Somebody say, let me speak. Abraham becomes burdened and in turn, because of his burden, becomes bold for his family. Can I tell you today, we cannot sit by where our city sinks in sin. We must become bold again. Come on, where are the bold this morning? Where are those that, I'm not talking about you need to get on social media and trash other churches. Sit down, be quiet, let the Lord do the judging in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. That's not the boldness I'm talking about. I'm talking about the boldness of I'm going to stand up for sin. I'm not going to let sin happen in my city. I'm going to stand up and be a voice of reason and a voice of righteousness. I'm going to stand up and say, not today, devil, not in this city, not in my family. Where are you at this morning? Not here. You could do that somewhere else. But because the righteous is in this city, you can't have this city. I'm here, so you cannot bring this into my city. This is the city of the kingdom of heaven, and you will not have it. Come on, somebody. I want to be bold for the kingdom. Somebody say, I want to be bold. We are called to be bold and to be bold in our intercession. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says, Therefore, the Lord is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives. Somebody say, He lives to intercede with God on their behalf. The Lord's living to intercede for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 to 28 says this, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, when we don't know, come on, what God wants us to pray for, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will because we know that God is working everything together for the good of those who love him and are called according to the purpose for them. Our King is at the right end of the Father this morning interceding for you and I. Aren't you glad we have an intercessor this morning? But this morning, he wishes for his people to once again be awakened and take on the same power of intercession. Because sometimes I know how it is. We don't know what to pray. But that's why we've been given the Holy Spirit that he prays through us. Come on, somebody. It's not me doing the praying. I'm just the vessel. Can I tell you today, one of the highest callings in the kingdom is not to preach, but to pray. It's not being behind a microphone. It's not platforms. It's not having power and authority. It's praying. The spirit of prayer. Because can I tell you today that when we pray, things change. 
Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When we pray, things change. Isn't it funny? We love to complain about stuff, but we don't pray about it. When's the last time you paused the complaint to pray for them instead? We're called to pray. That's why it says in James chapter 5, verse 13 through 18, I told you I got a lot of scripture for you today. Are you suffering hardships? You should complain. You should post it on Facebook. I hate Facebook, y'all. I sound old there, don't I? <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Faith. Are you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You, anybody happy in the room today? You should sing praises. Verse 14. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. We still believe in that. Come on, somebody. Verse 15, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Next verse. I love this. Confess your sins, your faults, one to another and pray for each other that you may be healed because the earnest of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. And then he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Somebody say, when I pray. When I pray. When I pray. The earnest prayer, I love the, the old translation says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, it availeth much. It means it has a lot of power. It gets things done. Prayer changes things. You're quiet today. I said prayer changes things. Prayer changes things. There are some situations that you will never be able to change on your own. You need to pray. I said you need to pray because when we begin to pray, things begin to shift. Come on, somebody. If we're not careful in our culture of worshiping worship, you will call prayer turning on Maverick City music. Come on, somebody. I'm not against music. But when you are relying on the lyrics of a song to feel God in your prayer time, that's not what God wants to do in prayer. Yeah, he wants you to feel him. That's great. I love to feel God, don't you? I love coming in here on Sundays and feeling the Holy Spirit and God doing a work in my life. But God wants to change things through prayer. Because catch this this morning. Prayer is the communication between the king and his citizens. How do you know the heart of the king unless you pray? Prayer changes things. And according to James, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. But the enemy 
has convinced us that we don't need to pray for our city to be changed. We just need more programs. We, we need more outreaches. I'm not against those things. We need more church services. We need more this. We need, more, we need this and that, and that, and that. No, we need to pray. Come on, somebody. I said, we need to pray. It's in our prayer that we see everything change. And this is why the enemy wants us to be quiet. But I believe today that the Lord is restoring back the roar of the church. Come on, somebody. I believe God is restoring back the roar of his church that we will no longer sit quiet, but we will open up our mouth and begin to speak and begin to pray. Because when we speak and when we pray, things will change. Come on. Now, here's what I want a little audience participation this morning. I want you to get up and give your whole row a high five and say, things change when I pray. Come on. Things change when I pray. Come on, say it with boldness. Things change when I pray. 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 Come on. Things shift when I pray. Things happen when I pray. When I begin to open up my mouth, things happen. When I pray, heaven moves. When I pray, people come into church. Come on. When I pray, the Spirit of God hovers over the situation. When I pray, uh, when I pray, be seated, be seated. When I pray, things happen. Things happen when I pray. Come on. And we are called to open up our mouth this morning and pray for those who have went to Sodom and Gomorrah. We are called to stand in the gap. Romans 15 and 30 says, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggling by praying. Mm. Don't join in my struggle by talking about me. Joining my struggle by praying to God for me. Do this because you love me. You love me. It's our love for people that should produce prayer and intercession in us. We are called to pray for those that are beyond the gap. We're called to stand in the place between judgment and these people and begin to pray. First Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Somebody say all people. All people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Hold it right there. It says, pray for everybody. Now jump to verse 4 real quick. We're going to go through this real quick. This is powerful. God wants everyone to be saved. Everyone. So go back to verse one. Pray for all people. Now verse four, why? Because God wants everyone to be saved. Doesn't stop there. And to understand 
the truth. So now let's go, go back to verse two. Let's go through it now. Pray this way for kings and for those in authority that we can live peacefully and, and have quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Verse three, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all to be saved. You and I are called to pray for all people and to ask God to help them because God can save anyone. Anyone. We are called to intercede on their behalf, to pray in the gap. Pray for everybody. And I love verse two because he says, I want you to pray for kings and all who are in authority. Now, don't let your hiney get tight for what I'm about to say, but I'm praying for Biden because he's a wicked man. He's a wicked man who exalts wickedness. This has nothing to do with Republicans or Democrats. Both of them can go home for all I care. Come on, somebody. They all corrupt. We pray for all of them. But I'm praying for our president. Can I tell you today? Trump is not the savior. Ugh, I'm getting in so much trouble today. It's all right. I'm praying for Biden because he's a wicked man who exalts wicked things. Pray for this way for kings and all in authority. Some of y'all got a wicked boss. Stop talking about them to your coworkers. It's giving you a bad testimony, first of all. It's toxic. Come on, somebody. Thank you, front row. Y'all are awesome today. <laughs> Pray for those in authority. I love what he says the reason for, so we can live peaceful and quiet lives. I would love a peaceful and quiet life, wouldn't you? Pray. This is the answer to every problem in the earth. Prayer. Now that sounds old school and that sounds cliche and that sounds like every Christian coffee mug there is. But the answer is to pray. Why do I have to pray for my boss? Because obviously they need a little more Jesus in their life. Maybe, maybe the problem's you, you know. (laughs) Only God knows that. So you're called to get in the gap. We can sit and type on Facebook all day long how evil our president is, how terrible everything is, or we can get off of our couch, get in the gap, and begin to pray. Get in the gap and pray. Your family member keeps going back to drugs. Get in the gap and pray. They need you to get in the gap. Thank God for rehab. But what they need more is you in the gap. Come on, on, somebody. You have to learn to plead the blood of Jesus. I said, you got to learn to plead the blood of Jesus. Now, an intercessor is someone, this is the definition, is one who pleads on the behalf of another in court the prosecutor will stand with his finger and say the defendant did this, 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 and this. Yeah. 
the charges. And the defender, which is another word for intercessor, will come and defend them and stand between the person and the judge and say, I know these are the charges, but I plead not guilty. Ah, I feel the Holy Spirit. Come on. So there's moments where the enemy, he comes in and he, he stands and points his finger as the prosecutor and says, they'll never be saved. They'll never be free. They'll never be healed. Come on, somebody. But I came to tell you today, I came to tell the devil that the blood of Jesus is against your charges, sir. Come on, devil, you won't have my city because the blood of Jesus is against you. Devil, you won't have, where are you at today? Devil, you won't have my nation because the blood of Jesus stands against you. I said the blood of Jesus. I know your son and daughter's lost. The blood of Jesus stands against you. Come on, give him some praise right there. Come on. The blood of Jesus stands against you. Phil, will you get me my other microphone? I'm dying up here. The blood of Jesus comes in between the judgment of God and the person. It stands in between the Lord and Lot and says, the blood of Jesus is against you. Now tell three people the blood of Jesus is against the devil. Come on. The blood of Jesus, that's so much better, is against you. It's against you. Come on. The blood of Jesus, I know what the situation's like, but the blood of Jesus is against you. It's against you. I know they're at rehab again, but I'm standing in the gap. I'll get down in the gutter for them. Come on, somebody. Uh, I'll get down in a place of intercession. I know they messed up again, but guess what? I'm going to pray again. I'm going to pray again. The blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. You need to pray that more. Walk around your house and say the blood of Jesus is against you. That's why they used to sing songs. I wish I could sing this, but my voice is shot, so just pray for me. But it reaches to the highest mountain. And it goes to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me from day to day. I got a little in me. It will. It's power. It'll never lose its power. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Some of y'all need to get some boldness in your belly today. And it's called the blood of Jesus. 
is against you. I know the charges, but the blood of Jesus is against you. I know this city is notorious for being liberal because it's a college town, but the devil can't have it because the blood of Jesus is against you. I know what your family says about your person, but the blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. I know they keep messing up and messing up and messing up. I know that Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah, but I'm going to stand in the gap because the blood of Jesus is stronger than Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on, if you believe it, give him some praise in the room. It's stronger. The blood of Jesus is against you. And we as believers have to learn to stand in the gap of prayer and not waver in our intercession to never give up, to never give up. I have this, this rule in my life. So I text a lot of people, invite a lot of people to church. If they ignore me more than two times, I don't text them anymore because obviously they don't want to hear from me. That's fine. My feelings don't get hurt. So if any of y'all ignore me, it's two texts, two strikes and you're out. Come on, somebody. Now, I don't do that to be mean, but I'm not going to waste my time. But just because I don't text them anymore doesn't mean I don't pray for them still. Come on. The greatest calling in the church today is to stand in the gap. It's why your prayer matters. Isn't it funny how every time you say, I'm going to start praying every day at this time, the devil suddenly has something for you in that moment? Or when you get to praying, man, I forgot to wash my dog. Man, I didn't buy beans. Man, I got to pay that bill. Oh, man, I forgot to. Why did they say that about me? Why? Because the devil knows how powerful it is when the righteous begin to pray. Praying in the gap still works. Let me show it to you. It's easy to get down in the dumps, though. I get it. When things aren't happening the way you thought, there was a time in the early church where it didn't look good. They had killed James, the brother of Jesus, who was a leader in the church. And now, the Bible says in Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, that Peter was in prison. So you've killed the most significant leader of the early church, and you've put the other one in prison. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. Their response wasn't, look, the church is falling apart. Their response was to go to God in prayer. And it looked like it was over because they were going to kill Peter, not just put him in prison. It looked like it was over, but the church said, we are staying in the gap. And in verse 6, I want to read this to you because it's so powerful. The Bible says this, the night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two shoulders, soldiers. 
Others stood guard at the prison gate and suddenly, somebody say suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. And the angel struck him on his side and said, get up, quick. And the chains fell off of his wrists and the angel told him, get dressed, put on your sandals. Then he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel but all the time, he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize what was actually happening. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guard posts and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And this angel suddenly left him. This is what I want to get to. It's so powerful. So Peter finally came to his senses. and said, it's really true. The Lord has sent an angel and save me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. And when he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where they were gathering for prayer. The answer had not come yet, but what were they doing? Hold on, stay there. But they were still praying. The next morning was his trial. But they didn't care because they had learned the principle of standing in prayer in the gap. They kept praying. No answer, but we're going to stay in the gap and pray. And I want to tell somebody this morning that prayer still opens prison doors. Now verse 13. So he comes to the home and he knocked on the door in the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed. This is funny, y'all, that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everybody, Peter's standing at the door. You're out of their mind, he said. And when she insisted, they decided this must be an angel. But meanwhile, Peter continually knocked. And when they finally opened the door and they saw him, they were amazed. They kept praying. They didn't give up. And what was amazing is that in the middle of their prayer, the answer was knocking on their door. In the middle of standing in the gap, get this in your spirit today, there was a knock. And I'm sure as they were praying, fear flooded their hearts. They got Peter. Now they're going to get us too. But they didn't realize that their intercession had caused the hand of the Lord to come. And in their prayer of continually knocking on the heart of the Father, their answer showed up at the door and began to knock. Oh, can I tell somebody today that while you stand in the gap, your answer is going to show up and it's going to be knocking down your door. 
and you're going to say, I don't know how the Lord can do this, but suddenly there's going to be a shift. God is about to do some things. He's about to save some people. God's about to heal some bodies, and it's going to blow our minds, and it's going to knock on our so burdened with this this week. Church, we must wake up and stand in the gap of prayer. When we do, we won't be able to open up doors fast enough. When we do, we won't have to chase after answers. Answers will come to us. When we do, here's the key. The church never had to open the prison doors. You can't free people, and you don't have to. Take the pressure off of yourself. You don't have to change your son and your daughter. You just have to pray. You don't have to change your family member. You just have to pray. And when you pray, prison doors will open. I said, when you pray, prison doors will open. God is about to blow our minds with what he wants to do while we pray in the gap. I believe if we prayed, this church wouldn't be able to fit in this building anymore. I believe if we got our burden back and had boldness in our hearts and quit being petty about people texting us back and quit being petty about nasty stuff, who gives a rip? There are souls on the line. I'm sorry they hurt your feelings, but there are people in my city that need Jesus. Come on. Come on. When they finally opened the door, they saw him and they were amazed. Our series... Church Hurt is going to begin in the month of September on the 17th. And this week the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to set aside September 13th, 14th, and 15th as three days of prayer and fasting. And on the 15th at 7 p.m., we're going to gather here, not for a church service, but to pray. And we are going to intercede on behalf of our city. I said, we're going to intercede on behalf of our city. And I believe this fall, God is going to bring a shift in our church. But guess what? It won't be a shift. Everybody with me in this moment? It won't be a shift of God just sending people in. It'll be a shift of us going out. Your co-workers need your praying in the gap. Your family needs you to pray in the gap. Lord, please, if there's but 10 righteous. Lord, I plead my case. Don't let Lot experience the judgment of God. We're called to stand in the
the gap of prayer. Hey, listener, thanks for tuning in to the Near Church Podcast. You can give online, fill out a virtual connection card, plan your visit, and more by texting the words Near Church to 94000 or by visiting us online at www.nearchurch.co.